Thanks for joining us for another inspiring message from Elevate Church in Perth, Australia. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps. So, are you positive? Are you staying positive? Because you're up to week five, so if you're not staying positive by now, something's wrong. Let's be positive. There's nothing better than hanging around with positive people. People that don't see a problem but see an opportunity. People who don't see the rain but they see the dams filling up. People that see the, the, the good things rather than the negative things. Negative things just take energy out of you, don't they? You know, I um, was many years ago, and even, well, just recently, really, because of my position as a manager, I had to look at the balance sheet or the profit and loss once a month. And you'd look at this, uh, the balance sheet, and usually at the top, you've got your income. Well, everyone's interested on the income because that's your targets, right? So we're looking at the incomes. But usually, what I used to anyway, I used to shoot straight down to the bottom line. And hope and pray that it wasn't red. Because if it's red, then everything in the middle starts to become important. But if it's red, if it's black, well, hey, it's okay. Because red is not a good thing. Red is usually showing you that you're in a deficit. And if that number's a big number, I can guarantee you there's going to be some heavy discussions around If there's a big number in the red, there's going to be some cutbacks. If there's a big number in the red, you're going to find some of those dreams and ideas you had of improvement aren't going to happen. And instead of of, um, moving forward, we tend to have to move back a little bit so we can get it back in the black. But if it's black... And if it's a good number, look out. Holidays are coming. Bonuses are going to happen. You're going to get advanced. You might even get more staff on, make life easier. If it's in the black, it's looking good. And that happens the same with you and I. If you and your own personal finances find that you're starting to, to struggle to actually keep ahead, you start cutting back on stuff like coffee. No, no, you wouldn't do that. No. So, but you might start cutting back on things. You might not have that holiday you dreamed of. You might not be able to have that, that extension on your house you were wanting. You, you have to cut back because you've got to keep yourself in the black. But it also happens in our personal lives too. And you'll find that when you're in that, that place of deficit, sometimes your attitudes change. Sometimes the, the, the tension, your mind is focusing on the deficit. So if you've got a deficit in relationships, or you've got a deficit in the marriage at the moment, or you've got a deficit in, in even just, just um, what, you can't get a job, or you're worried about something, you tend to live in the red, and when you're living in the red, that's when we start to cut back cut back on how I respond to people, cut back on, on what I might give to somebody, cut back on, on whether I should help that person out because, my goodness, I, I've, I haven't got enough time. I, I'm short of time already. How could I help someone out up the street? Because I'm short. So when we live in the red, you find that you start to have a, a red personality. You start to, to have this deficit mentality. 
But I want to suggest to you that the scripture is not about deficits. It's actually about the positives. And we can learn so much from from reading this because God is a God of abundance. He doesn't live in the red. He lives in the black. And he wants us to live in the black. And I want to share with you today a thought on what, what it means to live in the black and how you can actually probably do something that you least expect. And it's pretty simple. Let's have a look. If you have a look at the uh, Second Corinthians, that's uh, a letter written by um, a guy called Paul. And, um, oops, and Paul, um, he was in uh, Macedonia at the time. Now, Paul was a guy, he planted churches everywhere all over early times, just after Jesus had died. So this is going back about 2,000 years. And he planted all these churches right through Asia and Europe. And, and he was in Macedonia at the time. And he was writing a second letter to a church in a place called Corinth. And in Corinth, he's writing this letter to encourage them to actually be positive and to live generously. And this is what he said. This is what he said. If you turn to 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, and if you've got an app, go to your app, or if you've got an iPad, or if you've got a good old-fashioned book, which I like to read, um, look into that. It says this, remember this, no, sorry, I go back, 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2. It says this, they are being tested by many troubles. This is the church in Macedonia and he's writing to the Corinthians. And they are very poor. That sounds like they're living in a deficit, right? And this is what he says. But they are also filled with abundant joy which has overflowed in rich generosity. You see, they used an opposite to overcome a negative, right? They, they used an opposite, opposite concept, give instead of holding back. You would think if you were in deficit, you would hold back. But he's saying, no, don't hold back. I want you to give even more. Because when you do that, joy comes. So in their place of anxiety, they were still able to have joy. And that overflowed in the concept of generosity. And so I want to talk to you today and just get you to think through. And if you, I'm not talking about just giving of finances. I'm talking about giving of ourselves. But just come with me on a little journey. Because I believe that what we need to do to stay positive is to become generous. That if I was generous in who I was, I would stay in the positive. Paul goes on to say, if you go to 2 Corinthians 9, the next chapter, in verse 6, and he gives a great analogy. And if you're a farmer or a person who's connected to a farmer like I am, you'll understand what this means. He says this in verse 6 of chapter 9. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Makes sense. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And I don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives Cheerfully. That actual word means hilariously. 
That means like to give it without even thought to enjoy giving. And that's what the Father wants us to do. Not because you're doing it for somebody to get back, but I'm giving because it actually brings joy in my life. And then he goes on to say this. As the scripture, oh, here we go. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scripture says, they shall freely, they shall freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For the God is the one, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources, then produce a great harvest of, underline this, generosity in you. That you might become known as a generous person because there's generosity in you. That's a great thought. And I love what Mark said earlier. We want to be known as a church that is a generous church because it's in you. It's part of your DNA. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. They will turn to God, not to you, but to God. Their thanks goes to Him, so they're turning to Him. Great evangelistic tool. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God, not you. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient in the good news or the gospel or evangelism. I want to suggest a couple of things. Generosity. Generosity breaks the cycle of poverty. See, I'm not talking here about if you give, you will get back. That's the, that is the, um, the gospel, the prosperity gospel. I'm not talking about that because that's just focused on my results. And I'm not talking about something that's worse than that, which is the poverty gospel, whereas I can't have anything and oh, woe is me. And that's actually just focused on my sacrifice and on me. See, I want to share with you the, the gospel of provision. You see, our God is a good God who wants to give you good things and he wants to provide for you so that you can be like him and be generous because yeah. our God is a generous God. And he gives to you so you can give to others. He wants to bless you to bless others because he wants the world to know that he is a God that, has, that is generous, that has got much to give, and he wants to give everything he has, including his only son. That's a big gift. You see, it says here, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. Now, my son's a farmer, and I don't know much about farming, but I am learning lots and lots, and he goes right over my head. But I understand this, that when they do a harvest, you set aside part of that harvest to plant next year. Then you 
well, if in the days of Jesus, in the days that this was written, the farmer would hold stuff back for his own family to live on, and then they would go to the markets and sell the rest. See, the more he holds back, the greater the crop next year. If you only hold back a little bit of, of your seed, of your harvest, to plant for next year, you're going to have just a little. If I work on just, just doing what I have to do, then all I'm going to do get is the same I've always got. But if I hold back a little bit more and plant a little bit more, there's going to be a greater harvest. And, and the, the writer here, Paul, is saying here, learn to give more because your harvest will be greater. The more you give, the more you can give back. And it breaks this poverty mentality. You see, I don't know about you, but it comes to tithing. Now, tithing is an Old Testament principle, but we do it today as well because it's a good principle. It teaches, the, it teaches us to give away our first 10%. If anyone's done any business um, seminars, you will discover that that's actually a business principle as well. Learn to give away 10%. And when you give away that 10% first, and then you live on the rest, you live on the 90%. So, so these guys understood that tithing concept, that you give away that little bit. But I don't know about you, but I go, ah, oh, gee, I don't know how I'm going to afford it. Oh, what about my budget? Oh, what about extra coffee this week? Um, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. But this is what I discovered. That's a poverty mentality. And then I get stuck in the poverty mentality and I discover I never have enough anyway. But if I can break that poverty, I also break the fear. And if you break the fear, all of a sudden you start to live in faith. And when you live in faith, guess what happens? God turns up. A few years ago, I was at uh, um, Kalamunda Church, and I'd only been there um, a little while at this stage. And I was preparing my sermon, and I had one of those moments where something like, I believe it was God speaking to me, this, this thought came to me randomly. That's how I usually know it's God, because it wasn't what I was thinking. And the thought that came to me, because at that stage, this church was struggling financially. And it didn't happen very often, but we were struggling financially there. And, uh, and I don't usually preach on, on tithing. I preach on giving to missions, and that seems that God just blesses the church. But we were struggling financially for some time. And as I was preparing my sermon, I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to give the whole tithe you collect this week to the church up the road. And I went, nah, that's not God. That's the devil. I'm not taking that one, right? Because we need it right now. We don't, how am I going to pay my wages if I don't have the income? But it kept coming to me over and over again to the point where I thought, I'm not just fearful now of not having enough money. I'm fearful of having to tell my board and my elders that I'm going to do it. So I rang them up and I said, look, I need to talk to you. God's spoken to me. And they said, no worries. So before the church service on the Sunday morning, I remember the room. We sat in the room and I sat down. I said, guys... God's spoken to me, I think. I think God's spoken to me. I might have got it wrong. I could have got it wrong. But I think God spoke to me. And he said, today we have to give 50% of our tithes away to the church up the road. They looked at me. They, they sat down. Let's pray about it. And someone said, Steve, sorry, you're wrong. I said, okay, no worries. We've got to, we've got to give 100% away. I went, oh, you're right. 
you're right. So we did. So we collected up the offering. And it just so happened to be the best offering we had for months. Uh, we collected up the offering. We didn't tell anybody, right? Uh, and then a couple of the elders came forward and we said, we're going to take this down to the little road, the church down the road, who I know are really struggling. And we're going to give them our finances. And so they took the money. They went down. They disturbed the church. The poor pastor was about to preach. And someone got up and said, excuse me, we want to do this. And we believe God wants us to bless this church. Let me tell you. I'd love to say, wow, and our money went through the roof and it was so good. It didn't, right? Um, but this is what did happen. It broke our mentality of poverty. And God wants to break our mentality of poverty because if we focus on the negative, you'll never move into the positive. And he wants us to look at the positive, which is our God will supply all your needs according to our riches and glory. Here's another thing that happens, right? When you start to, to live in generosity, it realigns our hearts. It realigns our hearts. Look what he says here. Verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. You know, we're going to make you give again this week. Don't respond. It says, respond to your heart. God wants our heart to be right. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. That's a heart thing. Let me give you a quick, a, a quick little bit of, uh, I'm not a scholar, right? But I discovered something. In the Hebrew, the word for giving or charity or generosity is actually sadaka. Now, sadaka was something that the Jewish people in the Hebrew times did regularly. It was like there was this whole, they had a, a ladder of sadaka, which was um, you give this much to this person and this person and this person. There was a sort of a ladder of giving. And sadaka was a typical, common um, Jewish response of charity. Jewish people are very charitable. They love to give. And that's because that's part of God, which you're going to discover. But something else in this word sadaka, the word for righteousness or right standing or right relationship with God, right, is actually sadak. Here's something interesting. In the middle of charity is God because God is the only one who's righteous. And our relationship with him is actually something that's birthed not because of, but he is righteousness. He is generosity. He is charity. And God wants us to give because of our relationship with him. You see, your DNA, if you're a believer in God and you have a relationship with him, will be sadaka, will be generosity, will be charity. You can't help but do it. And when you do it, you reflect the image of God. When you encourage a non-Christian or a person who doesn't know God to give, you are reflecting that, that, that image of God that we've been made in. That's why all people want something in there, wants to do it, but there's something that stops us from wanting to give. But you see, God is a God who is generous. He says this, so don't be afraid. This is Luke 12, 32. Jesus said this, don't be afraid. Don't let fear get in the way, little flock. For it, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. He is really joyful and excited about giving you the kingdom of God. Yep. That's huge. Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. 
and the pursuit of heaven never gets old. Sorry, the purses of heaven never get old or develop holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it and no moth can destroy it. Whatever, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Here's something for you to think about. You've got a beautiful diamond ring. It glows. It like you put it in the light. It's beautiful colors. It's very, very expensive. What do we do? We put it in a safe and we lock it up and no one can see it. And it never sees the light because we're hiding it because you don't want anyone to steal it. Well, this is what Jesus says. He says, don't hide those good gifts that you've got. Don't hide those treasures of, of generosity and love for others. Don't hide that in a safe. Give it away because you'll hide it in heaven. And heaven wants to use it. And if heaven uses it, it'll give you more. Don't lock it away. Don't lock the things of your heart away. Let them come out. Your heart needs to change when it comes to generosity. He wants to shift our heart that's not based on our physical, but based more on what's, what the Father God desires not only to give you, but he, he loves to see you have. But here's another thing that happens. Generosity changes your posture. Generosity will change your posture. Verse 10, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. In other words, change the way you give. Change the way that, that you look at things. Change your posture. Because to give, you can't give with clenched fists, right? You've got to give with open hands. But here's, here's another thing. You can't receive with clenched fists. God wants us to change our posture and have open hands. Because when you've got open hands... You're not holding back. I want to share something with you here. When Jesus said something, I, I never could work it out. He said to the disciples when he was preaching one day, and he said, don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about how you're going to live. I look after the birds of the sky. Why don't I look after you? Then he says this, give. Don't, not like the others where everyone thinks you're doing a good job. I want you to give, but this is what he says. Don't let your right hand know what your, sorry, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is giving. And I always wondered about that. And I've heard sermons about that. Well, yes, don't show off. But there's a, there's a truth in here that I want to share with you. It's an amazing truth. And God revealed it to me just this week as I was studying it. You see, if you understand what the left hand was in the Hebrew times, the left hand was the hand of judgment. It's the hand where you judge people. And the hand of judgment would always judge whether I should give it or shouldn't I give it. What about me? What about them? Do they deserve it? Don't they deserve it? Or it might do. You must give because if you don't give, you're going to be in trouble. That's judgment. But on the right hand, the right hand is the hand of kingship. The right hand is the hand of relationship. The right hand is the hand, the, uh, hand of honour. 
When you shake hands with someone with the right hand, you shake with honour. When you shake with the left hand, you shake with dishonour, right? So this right hand is the relationship with God. So when he says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's giving. In other words, give out of sadak, out of right relationship with God. Don't let judgment get in the way. Because judgment's gone. You're not judged anymore because you're in Jesus. Jesus is righteousness. Righteousness is on the right. The right hand needs to give. Don't let judgment get in the way because you'll hold back that generosity. Here's another thing. Jesus says, I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I needed clothing. You didn't clothe me. I was in prison. You didn't even come and visit me. And they say, when did we do that? He says, when you didn't do that to the least of them, you did that to me. Go to my left hand, to my left side, to my judgment. But you, you who did feed me, who did give to the poor, who were generous, they're going to go, when did we do that? You did it naturally because it's part of who you are. You don't have to think about it. You just did it. He said, just as you did to the least of these, go to my right hand, Sadak. Go to my right hand. You see, it's on the right hand where we start to live out who Jesus is. We start to live out who God is. We start to be what's on his heart, which is the lost and the hurting and the lonely. When we start to give financially, when we start to give with our lives, when we start to care for those, that's generosity. And when you live in generosity, you become a positive lifestyle and you stay in the positive because he will constantly give back, constantly give back. Because he goes, great, we're in this as partners. I'm going to give you everything you need to be generous if you trust me. He wants us to trust him. You know, when I was, uh, I, I know that sometimes I get a little bit uptight in meetings because I'm a little bit protective and of my ideas. And, uh, and I used to sit in meetings and I used to get really upset because I'd try and say something and people would shoot it down and I could feel myself getting tense. <sighs> Until one day I discovered that if I changed my posture, I could release my tension. So quite often I'd sit in meetings and I'd sit there with my hands open on my knees really to say, I'm not hanging on to this, but I'm also going to let go of my, the things I do have for others. It's amazing. You try that because it's really hard to get upset with somebody with your hands open. It really is. Try it. It's really hard. But if you have your hands clenched, say, I'm hanging on to this. Don't come close or I'm going to hit you. Right? But you sit there with your hands open. The Lord God wants us to live lives with hands that are open so that we can be generous. Just finally, in finishing off, because I do believe that, that life with God is a life of generosity because he is a generous God. Yeah. And he wants us to live in the positive, being generous to others. It does something. Jesus said this in John 10. He said, the thief comes to rob and to steal. But I come to give you abundant life. Life in the full. You see, the enemy wants to come and rob. That's going to put you in poverty. That's going to take you away. That's going to take your deficit. You're going to lose things. That's what the enemy is coming to do. Giving and generosity is as much spiritual as it is physical. Because the enemy wants to steal. He wants to steal life from you. But Jesus says, no, but I come to give you life and life in the full. It's a spiritual thing. 
And if, if, if you, Jesus came, when he came to earth, and he came to give you everything he has, everything. That deficit you've been feeling, Jesus gave his life for that. He gave his life for that. You're feeling like, I can't cope. Jesus gave his life for that. And he wants you to have it. Because he's the good shepherd who comes to give up his life for his sheep, he said. That's the good shepherd. Can I pray for you? Let's pray. Father God, I just want to come before you now. And Father, I know that you are a good, good father. That you are a good shepherd. And you're a God that has been so generous to me. And so generous to all of us. We couldn't, we couldn't sit on your right by ourselves. Couldn't even cope with life by ourselves. But you gave up your life that we would get to know God. And in getting to know God, we would be free to be able to give to this world that so needs to be loved. A world that in so many ways is broken. And you came to heal the brokenhearted. You came to give to those in need. You come to love those who don't feel loved. And Father, you want to do it through us. So would your spirit, would your who you are become part of who we are that we might be known as a people that not only have relationship with a generous God, but we reflect it in our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. It's a privilege to play our part in all that God is doing in and through you. To find out what your next step could be or to partner with us to reach more and more people by giving financially, head to our website elevatechurch.me and download our Elevate Church AU app, available wherever you download your apps.